Good afternoon. Thank you. Some of you may start awake. You may drift off. I'm thankful. My rule is this. You can sleep, just don't snore. When you snore, you bother the people around you. If you can sleep quietly, some of you can't. You don't have your CPAP with you. I understand that's a struggle, but do the best you can. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that my wife and I and Ezekiel have gotten to be here. It's been a blessing. We've talked about how friendly and welcoming this congregation has been since we've been here. The type of hospitality that you have shown, I'm thankful for all this. I know that my main contact with this congregation has been Ben Hogan. He's reached out to me. I even like him so much I dressed like him today. Didn't know if y'all noticed that or not. Same tie, same suit, everything. He's just a little taller and thinner. Uh, but um, it's been a blessing to be here. It's been a blessing to come here and to meet people. I always tell people the church shrinks the world, but then it makes it bigger than you can ever imagine. And every time I'm able to visit with a, another congregation, I realize that we know the same people. Then I realize now I know more people that I'll be in heaven with, and what a blessing that will be. And I'm glad that you have chosen to be here today. And if you will, let's, let's end today as we do this final lesson of this series in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, God, you are an amazing God. You love us and care for us. God, please help us to be people who know that there's something greater coming and help that determine how we live and how we look at other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we think about being here today, I want you to sing with me. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me, He's coming back, Not only that God is good, but do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Does the thought that he's coming back, does it scare you or excite you? Like these two babies here, right? One of the two. Or are you kind of indifferent? Because if you were to ask people if they believe the Lord's returning, it is something for some people they'd be so excited and other people would be scared to death. And, and I just wonder where you are on that. <clears throat> Because since Jesus died on the cross and was raised on that third day, we have been in what the Bible calls the last days. We've been waiting for the Lord's return for the past 2,000 years. And that's where we find ourselves. But the, the truth is, the, the, the waiting place is not an easy place. Dr. Seuss called it the most worthless place, right? Sitting there waiting on what to do Tom Petty said it's the hardest part, is waiting. 
Waiting is challenging, whether you're looking out a window for your, for your friend or your dad or friend to come out and play, your mom or dad to come home, or for, for it to quit raining so you can go out and play sports. Whether you're waiting, these three dots seem like an eternity, right? You text somebody and all of a sudden you see them answering, and you're like, okay, come on. You find yourself waiting for their response, or, or maybe you're a, a bobber fisherman and you're just waiting for that to go under. And for whatever reason, it won't go under while you're watching it, right? Maybe you're one of those that's waiting for Christmas. Some of y'all probably already started playing your Christmas music. I always get laughing around Christmas because I always have heard, and I have a child now, that you want their, their picture made with Santa. And I always think, yep, it's always for the kids, right? Every time, it's, it's for the kids. Maybe not so much, right? This is my dad and my, my mom and my pepaw. And this is the day before my dad left for Vietnam. And he did not tell them he was going. My granddad was a World War II vet. And my dad uh, decided to go. And I think about them waiting for him to come home. This is a chair that was on the sixth floor at Vanderbilt Hospital. When I went there one day to visit a family that was there, and I just, when, it, when I saw the picture, the person who was in it got up and walked off, and I took a picture of this seat because I thought about, wow, this chair has been worn out from what? Waiting. The Bible's a book of waiting. So much about waiting that, that from this book is a book about waiting for Jesus. And, and, and the thing is, we realize that from, again, that Genesis 3 moment where man has sinned and brought sin into the world. And the promise there that one day, yes, the serpent will bruise his heel and he will crush your head. What's he going to He's going to destroy death. But from then all the way to the miraculous birth of Jesus, people were waiting. They were waiting on that Messiah to come, waiting thousands of years for Him to show up. And then from then, it was 33 years of waiting for Him to die on that cross, to live that perfect life, to show His Messiah. Then there's three days of waiting for Him to come out of that grave, right? It is a book about waiting on Jesus. And then we find ourselves at Pentecost. Jesus has come out of the grave about 50 days after the time that, that He has been resurrected. And we see here in Acts chapter 1, go ahead and open your Bible there. In Acts chapter 1 verse 9 we see this, And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up on a cloud, and they took Him and took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. And from that point on, we have been waiting. There's a promise that he's coming back. There's a promise that He will return, and so every day we spend waiting on His return. 
Now, where is he going? I think about what these disciples would have thought as they have seen him on a cross die. They have seen him resurrected. And now they have seen him ascend back to the Father. And when he says he's coming back, you would think, where is he going? I hope they have. I I laugh. People always pray for a, a ready recollection for your preacher. Many times, you don't just pray for ready recollection. Pray for technology not to fail. That's helpful as well, okay? But I wonder if they recalled John chapter 14. Where Jesus began in verse 1, says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have, gone to, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. He's coming back. And so they spent their life waiting for him to come back. And and as he is there, they have a life here waiting for him to prepare the home for them and come back and get them. The graduate school word for that is the parousia. That is the, the, the waiting for the Lord to return. The thought of people looking for the Lord to come back and being ready for that Lord to come back. That is the thought that they have. And what I want you to do is think about the thing is what's going to make everything incredible is when He returns, then we will be in the presence of God. We will be in His presence for an eternity and that makes all the difference. See, there's a Bible word that's not necessarily found in the Bible. It's the word Maranatha. It means the Lord is coming. Or come Lord Jesus. Even though we don't use this word probably hardly ever, the early church did. It became something that they would say to each other as a greeting when they would come in. Can you imagine coming into a worship service as we come into and saying to one of Maranatha, Come, Lord. A reminder that the Lord is coming. Keeping that in front of us to to know as we leave today, our, our, our thoughts are, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. To be reminded consistently that the Lord is going to return. And His second coming is going to be a big deal. Nobody's going to miss it. It is something that will change everything. Open your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter 3, we we realize we're in the mid to late 60s. It's close to Peter's death. The Christians are going through persecution or getting ready for persecution. 1 Peter 4, he says, The fiery trial that will be coming upon you. Realize he has prepared them from that in 1 Peter. There's false teaching going on inside the church that he is trying to correct. He's trying to get people to trust in God and remind them that you can trust that he is coming back. That sounds like something we need today. To know that yes, there's suffering in this world, there's persecution of Christianity in the world. That there are Christians today that they had to worship in secret for fear of death, but they worshiped anyway. 
That we need to be reminded to trust in God that one day He's coming back. And that is what Peter wants to tell the people there. And we need to know it as well today. So what's happened in the book of Acts, when the persecution happens, God's people spread all over the world. Here's the thing, God used it for good. So instead of all the Christians just being in Jerusalem, now they're throughout the world. And because they're throughout the world, they took the gospel with them. And people were able to hear this message. And they were able to hear that, that Jesus did live and Jesus did die. And Jesus was resurrected and Jesus was coming back. And the people here needed a reminder of that same thing. So let's begin reading in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, This is now the second letter I'm writing you, beloved. In both of them I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Just stand right here. I love how he refers to them. Beloved, I love you. We have a special relationship. I love you and care for you. And what I want you to do is be reminded. Reminded of what has been said in God's Word. Reminded of what has been said by the prophets. He said, The commandment of your Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. He's saying, remember, I I still don't know why he wore that helmet that did that to his forehead every game. I figured he had enough money to get a better helmet. Anybody think that? Possibly so. Anybody here ever had to to use smelling salts to wake you up? Oh, yeah. That's one of those things that you you don't forget that. You see people wake up. This word here means I'm trying to remind you. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to have you pay attention. I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do to you all right now, all right? I'm trying to stir you up so that you will hear what I'm about to say. And he said, I need you to trust in God's Word because there's going to be scoffers out there that are going to do things. They are going to come and they're going to tell you things about God that are not true. But you're going to be tempted to believe them. Why? Because waiting's hard. I look out and see the pain in some of your faces because you sat in this seat. I wish this seat were only at one hospital. I wish it only took place at Vanderbilt, right? Not everywhere. But the longer we wait, the more vulnerable we become. If we suffer for a short time, that's one thing. The longer we suffer over a period of time, we start to question whether God cares about us at all. Is God coming back at all? It's so easy for us to get distracted and say, hey, I'm on this way, and if I'm on this way and I'm doing what's right and this is happening and He isn't answering my prayer, He's not showing up, then maybe there's another way. Then sometimes like, I'm just going to be disinterested. You know what? I, I was very serious about my faith at first, but now it's taken so long. It's a struggle. I don't know what to do with this. Others going to be disillusioned because life isn't going the way they want them to. Some are going to go from belief to disbelief because they've been waiting on God. Some are going to go from obedient to disobedient. Because waiting's hard. And what's going to happen is the scoffers are going to show up. Verse 4 says, And they will say, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They're saying, God hasn't showed up. He said He's coming, but He hasn't, so He's not coming. And, and that's it. 
It is interesting to me that it's been about 30 years since the death of Christ when this is written and now we're a couple thousand years out. And the scoffers are saying the same thing. Where is he? If he hasn't come yet, he's not going to come. That's what they're trying to, to push on the people here so that they will leave their faith. As, as people have said, this is a meme that has gone around. It's been 2,000 years. Jesus isn't coming back. Get over it. We need this message. We need the same word that Peter gave the church here to be reminded that he is coming back. What he says is, I love this in verse 5, he says that, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. He's sort of saying, what do they know? They ain't lived a long time. The God that we follow is the one who created. He's also the one who destroyed the world by the flood. He said, but by the same word, the heavens and earth are now exist and are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, Lord, I'm ready for you to return, but sort of how I'm living in my life, sometimes I'm like, I wouldn't mind you waiting a little bit. i got to get some stuff straight, right? It sort of becomes a reminder for them to look at that. We have made the flood a children's story, but it is anything but a children's story. Why do we make it a children's story? Because there's animals. Kids love animals. I mean, that's it. Kids love animals, so we've made it a children's story. It is not. I do want them to know that, that God saved the world, that God made provision. He did all these things and cared, cared about it. But the thing is, it's the largest catastrophic event to ever happen. It's the largest judgment of God to ever happen until the final one will happen. Peter said, don't, don't forget the flood. Don't forget the flood. Don't forget that God does act in this world, and when He acts, it can be catastrophic, and He's not finished. He's saying, you know, they're talking about Judgment Day. They don't believe in a Judgment Day. There's people today that don't believe in a Judgment Day. I don't know everything about hell, and I hope to never know everything about hell. Here's what I know about from Scripture. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of bad company, people that, that are there who have held on to their sins and chose not to know God. It's a place where there are no more second chances. Grace says it does not exist in hell. Hell is a place where there is an unquenchable desire. You, you have a thirst that will never, ever be quenched. There's a fire that will never go out. It is said that the, the worm dieth not is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a place of regret. It is a place that is eternal, that goes on forever. But don't ever miss this. What makes hell hell is not the darkness of the fire. It's the fact that God won't be there. 
The God that loves us, the God that's provided for us, the fact that He won't be there is what makes it what it is. And He wants to remind them, you do not want to be a part of that side of judgment. He said, you want to look forward to the second coming. You want to look. Why? Because He said, but do not overlook this one fact. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some man count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a beautiful statement of love. You need to know this. God doesn't want anybody creating His image to go to hell. He wants everybody to repent. Everybody. He doesn't want that to happen. So what I have to remember is, what he's telling the church here, he is saying that the reason he's being patient is he wants more people to be right with him. He wants more people to be saved. He wants more people to turn toward him. He wants people to not have to go through and go to hell. He doesn't want them to be lost. So he's being patient in that. Again, John 3, 16, He sent His Son in patience. He also said, I sent My Son to do what? Not to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through Him. He tells us, because of that fact, our job is to be evangelistic and go tell people what God has done for us. Go tell people that there is a judgment that is coming. Go tell people that, yes, there is a hell, but I got some good news, you ain't got to go there. Jesus has made provision so you do not have to go. We have that message. Verse chapter 2, I mean chapter 3 verse 10, he says, But that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. I love what he tells them. Be ready. He doesn't tell Christians to be afraid. That's a big distinction. Be ready. Be ready. Not be afraid. A child of God does not have to be afraid. But we are to be ready. Be aware that that He is coming. He says, since all these things are thus will be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? You should live lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, which, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. What's he saying? Be ready. And be wanting it to come. Live a life of Maranatha. Come, Lord. Live in such a way where you can say, Come, Lord Jesus, and it's exciting, right? That I'm ready for Him to come. He said, live in such a way that you want other people to say that, to be able to reach out to them, to be able to help them to have that same confidence in Jesus. Again, does that scare you? Or does that excite you? The thought of Jesus returning. See, I believe a proper view of the coming of Jesus is life changing and eternity changing. It makes a difference. Peter said, but but according to His promise, we are waiting for new heaven and new earth in which the righteousness dwells. Wow, there's something better that's coming. We wait, and this wait is not, I'm just going to sit in a chair and wait. It's I'm going to live confidently trying to help other people to meet Jesus. I'm going to make a difference knowing that I don't have to freak out because He hasn't come yet. 
I can live knowing that He may come today and He may come tomorrow and He may come in a thousand years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change who God is. But what I want to do is help people to know that this is a promise and that He is coming and God does not lie and I want to be holding on to Him. And He said, I want to know there's something better coming. Let me ask you, what are you looking forward to in heaven? What about heaven is appealing to you? For some people, it's a place, place where there's no more pain, right? I know there are those here who deal with chronic pain. There are some that are here today, and you are here not because you're not hurting. You're here because you realize you can hurt at home or hurt here, and you'd rather come and be able to hurt with God's people. For some people, it's a place with no pain. For some people, it's a place with no more sickness. And maybe that's what you're looking forward to. For some of you, maybe a place, you know, I'm looking forward to a place there's no more death, there's no more separation, there's no more the loved ones that I care about going on, there's no more that, there's no more hurt, there's no more of these things. Let's look at what the John tells us in the book of Revelation when he describes heaven. He said in Revelation 21, he said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Many times in the Bible, the word sea is a, is a word for chaos. Jesus stilled the sea, the storm, showing that he had power over the storm. It's a word of chaos. There's no more chaos. There's now complete peace. He said, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. I think it would be helpful for us to Christians to know that this is what makes heaven heaven. The other stuff that we're about to read, that's the byproduct of being in the presence of God, and Him being our God, and us being His people face to face. When He goes through and tells us what about that? There's no tears. Whatever you do cry, He wipes it away. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no sin. All of those things are a part of being in a place where it is God's place, the, new, the heaven that He has prepared for us, and we will be with Him. And we realize when the second coming happens, we will get to take part in this, to realize that God's presence will be with us and we will be His people. And it's a big deal. That's where He says that He will wipe a tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old things have passed away. Some of us may feel like our life is filled with death and mourning and crying and pain. Why did all those things happen? Because of sin in the world. When we're with God, there is no more sin. That's one of the beautiful things about being there. And he goes back and says, Maranatha, why wouldn't we say our Lord come? Come, Lord Jesus, to realize that it is better, that He has created something so much greater for us. Listen, better things are coming. Better things are coming. 
you know that God has created a place where there's no more hungry children. There's no children dying from lack of food and lack of water. God has created a place where there are no more school shootings. God has created a place where there's no more war. We support a missionary in the Ukraine. And we get reports back and they're back in their town. They're back serving. They're back worshiping in the middle of a a country filled with war right now. There is a place where that will not be the case. Also, listen, there's no more elections. We already got our king. We ain't got to worry about another one, self-appointed or otherwise. There's no more elections. We're going to a place where there are no more divorces. We're going to a place where there's no more marriage trouble. There's no more abuse. There's no more being a widow or a widower. God, there's some, something where there's no more death. We're going to where there's no more persecution of Christians. We're going where there's no more hospitals and no need for that. We're going to a place again where we will never have to stand around a casket again and care about the person who is being put in that casket and being put in the ground and think about how much we're going to miss them. There are better things coming. Maranatha our Lord will come and he said because of this I love what he says here therefore beloved since you are waiting for these be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace Maranatha. He's saying, be faithful. Keep following. Know that He's coming back. Knowing that when He comes back, God will be with us and we will be His. Hold on to that. Know that He is coming. Let that be something that excites you, something that gives you peace, something that gives you motivation to make a difference in the people around you, to help make sure that they know Jesus. We need to know that God is good, He tells us this, and that He is coming back, and that is what we want. Today, are you at peace? Are you at peace with His return? I'm just going to let you think about that for a second. Are you at peace with His return? It's amazing in getting to do what I do to sit down with people and to see the incredible faith in people who are truly excited about the thought of the Lord coming back. Just a few weeks ago, uh, we had a family who had been visiting with our congregation And they've been coming for about a year, and they uh, filled out some paperwork that they wanted to be a part of our church family. We realized that we're thankful they wanted to do that, but in talking to them, it led to a Bible study. And I was able to talk to them about, hey, uh, how were you saved? 
And the guy who was in his uh, late 30s, he said, well, I, I grew up one, uh, in one background, and I was saved at this time. I said, when were you baptized? He said, about a month later. I said, okay. And I asked his wife, she said, well, I grew up in a tradition that uh, I, was, uh, I, I was baptized when I was about three months old. And I said, and what about your, uh, what about they had a 19-year-old daughter? I said, what about her? They said, well, that she hasn't, uh, we haven't been overly faithful in any place, and so she's sort of grown up without that. But she loves the group here. She's been involved with them. And, and, and I said, hey, could we open God's Word? And we did. And, and what you heard me do during the sermon, that's my Bible study with people a lot of times. So we just walked through what Jesus said, what the book of Acts said, and we got to the end of it. And uh, they said, you know what? We need to do this. Actually, the first week they're going, we got some stuff to think about. And I said, that'd be good. That'd be good. I don't want people to make a decision like that without thinking about it. It's your soul, right? You want them to think about it. I want to make this decision. Well, I, I didn't hear anything from them the next day. I texted them. And they said, well, we're still thinking about it. I said, do you think we could do another study and your daughter join us? And they said, yeah, that'd be great. She really wants to. And she came in. I went through the very similar study with all of them and got to the end. And I said, well, what do y'all feel like you need to do? They're like, we all need to be baptized for remission of our sins. I said, well, would you like to do that? And then they like to open up their planners. Like, maybe we could do it this day or that day. And I'm like, they're not getting it. I said, you know, we could do that now. We can do this this morning. I said, but I can't force you, and I won't. And they said, well, we'll do it tomorrow afternoon at 5. I said, if that's what y'all choose to do, this was on a Sunday morning that we were talking. Uh, sometimes I don't teach Bible class on Sunday morning. We have two worship services. I preach either one of those. And sometimes I get to go to Bible class, and sometimes I use that to study with people. And no, no longer had they walked away from me, and I'd gone up to some of our elders to say, hey, they want to be baptized tomorrow, as they came back in and said, we're ready to do that today. Why? They want to be ready when the Lord returns. It was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. I had all three of them in the water at the same time. I baptized the dad first, and then the mom, and then the 19-year-old daughter. And then they all got to, to, to put their arms around one another as we prayed. A family who truly loves each other, who now is ready to meet God. Because He's going to return. Today are you ready? If you're not, let's not leave here lost. Let's not leave here with questions. Let's not leave here without having a discussion and open up God's Word. Let's not leave here that way. Or maybe today you want us to pray for you. Let's not leave here without that. So we're about to sing a song, Jesus is Lord. When we get to that final course, there's going to be a thing where we say, Lord, come quickly. If you say that and it is something that gives you anxiety, you need to do something about it. If you can sing that with peace, praise God. But today, let's not leave here lost. Let's leave here being able to say Maranatha to one another being excited for his return. If we can help you, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?